The first reading is entitled, Repent or Perish. And it's from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13. Now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans? Because they suffered this way. I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig round it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. And a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, you hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? And the second reading is from Acts chapter 2. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added 
to their number that day. Amen. Well, seems a bit of an unusual sort of title, I suspect, Repent or Perish. When George asked me to preach at this service, um, that was quite a few weeks ago now, I thought, well, okay, Lord, what do you want me to preach on? And I felt he wanted me to preach on repentance. And he led me to the scripture in Luke's gospel. And then I thought, well, okay, Lord, what is the title? And I thought, well, repentance. And then I thought something else. And, but it kept came back to saying, repent or perish. And I think it's a bit of a harsh word in a way. And I think to myself, well, here we are. Most of us here, if not all of us here, can say, yes, we have come to Christ. We are on our way to being with him in heavenly places. And yet, here we have a word that says repent or perish. Maybe it's just for one person. But on the other hand, maybe... It's a word the Lord is trying to say to us that we need to continually repent. It's not a one-off repentance. In our Luke's Gospel, we have read there about two people, or at least two situations. One is there where Pilate, quite a ruthless man really, Pilate was, he knew the uh, Jewish laws, he knew their traditions and so he was able to use it against them by coming in and saying right those Jews that have here that have disobeyed the Roman Emperor I'm going to punish them I'm going to put them to death but more than that he mixed their blood with the blood of the sacrificial lamb or whatever sacrifice they've made and that of course would have meant but that sacrifice was now unworthy. They couldn't use it. But Jesus' words to the people was, do you think that those people that were put to death, do you think those people there, that their sin was any worse than yours? Unless you repent, you too will perish. And the same sort of thing with the Tower of Siloam. You know, their belief was that if someone died through an act of what they called an act of God, they must have sinned badly. But God's attitude was, Jesus' attitude was, you too. Even though you haven't died by that same method, you too will perish. But then there was also The third part of that message, a message of hope, a message of, yeah, there is salvation for you. The fig tree planted for three years. You could think of the, the owner of that fig tree, if you like, as being God, and the gardener being Jesus. 
when God came along and saying, well, you know, you haven't borne any fruit. Cut it down. Get rid of it. It's taking up wasting ground. But Jesus coming along and saying, Father, don't do that to them. Forgive them. Give me a chance to nurture them. Give me a chance to dig around them. Give me a chance, just one more chance to see if they will bear fruit next year. But really what I want to talk about, I feel led to, is that we need to repent. And I'm glad that a few weeks ago, about a month ago, George mentioned repentance. And I believe Andy as well, in his address, mentioned repentance. But it was just a word that came up. You know, George had it on the screen. And amongst all the list of other words, he'd got, he'd got a word, repent. I was really thinking about the service at that time, and I thought, great, thank you, Lord. You're giving me a confirmation. Because, you see, my feeling is that we need to continually repent, not just a one-off repentance. This morning, Matthew got those balloons, he blew them up, and he blew it up with a bit more sin and a bit more until it went bang. That is the result of not repenting. You know, if we don't repent of our sin, our sin just builds up more and more until eventually the balloon just gives way. But I also want to think about what is the result of not repenting. I first started coming to the church when I was about 13, 14. I didn't come believing in God. I came believing there wasn't a God. But I came for other young people. There was these other young people, you know, ones of, that I rather fancied at that time, that were coming along to the church. And I thought, well, okay, if I'm going to mix with them, I need to go along and be involved as well. And at that time, Richard, our minister, preaching week after week, I thought, well, he's just talking a load of rubbish. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Until one day, when I was about 17, he gave a word on heaven and hell. And that made me think, where am I going to go if I die today? It made me think, well, if I carry my way, nothing changes if I'm right. But if he's right, I will go to hell. And it's a place that I don't want to go to. You know, if, if we read books, and we, not just the Bible, but read other books as well, we'll discover a bit more of what 
it is like to be in hell. And that's one place we don't want to go. So I thought, well, yeah, I'd better get right with God. And if what this man is saying, if Richard is telling me the truth, my life will change. But if I'm right, nothing will change. And here I am today. Because I discovered what Richard was saying was true. I discovered by coming into knowing the knowledge of Christ and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, my life took off and it completely changed. But you see, it was the thought, that thought that says, if I continue as I am, I will go to hell. But I was thinking as well, for today, the message for the vast majority of us, you know, we'll say, well, hang on a minute. I'm not going down there. I'm on my, my way up there. Yeah. But have you ever thought about what happens if you do not repent? continue to repent. I read a book some years ago. I can't remember the author. I can't remember too much about it, but there are one or two stories in it. And there's one particular story that I remember of this chap who's a Christian, goes to work each day, same journey, walking from home to the station and getting the train. But on that walk to the station, he went past a particular shop. One of these shops that has the word outside private shop. He just felt compelled each time to go and investigate, to go in and have a look around. And each tight week, he'd go to his minister and say, I've done it again. Can you pray with me? One day, the minister said to him, well, look, do you have to go on that trip that way? Do you have to walk to the station that way? Well, I don't have to, but to go the other way is about half an hour's journey longer. Okay. Get up half an hour earlier and go the other way. He did that, and he did that for a few months, until one day his alarm didn't go off, and he found himself late. He said, the only way I can go to the train on time is to go the short way. He got to the station, and he realised, I didn't stop at that shop. And he realised that having gone the other way, having, if you like, repented and not exactly turning around but going another route, he discovered that sin I've repented of. I'm no longer committing it. But it took time. It's not something that he did instantly. And sometimes we need to have that sort of attitude of, in our lives of saying, well, I'm not going to 
commit that sin, and to avoid it, I've got to do something different. I've got to go another route and go another way. There is also some stories I've read. Um, There's a book called Divine Revelation of Hell by Mary Kay Baxter. A bit like, um, is it John, who is able to say, I don't know whether it is my body that I physically went, or whether it is an out-of-body experience. But for a period of time, she found herself first being taken into hell. She wrote another book after that, Divine Revelation of Heaven where for a period of time she's taken into heaven. But in a time of going to hell, it was a case of Jesus was there with her, taking her. So it meant that the demons there could not attack her. Now, whether we believe what she says or not, I don't know. It's down to us as individuals whether we believe what she says. But what she was saying is that there was people there who was calling out to Jesus when they saw him. And one of them was a minister, or had been a minister of a church. And he's saying, Lord, I knew you. I was one of yours. Why am I doing down here? And the Lord said to Mary, is here because he was kept putting his hand into the offertory pot. After the offertory is taken, he was taking it out for himself. He wasn't going through the official means of being counted. He was here because he had sinned and hadn't repented of his sin. And there's other stories that are very similar in that book, of where people were crying out, saying, Lord, I knew you. And he's saying, yeah, but their sin they did not repent of. Yes, they knew me. But they also started sinning. And I think, yeah, here I am, I haven't given my life to Christ when I was 17. As we know about the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet, I'm clean. I've been cleaned right the way down, but I walk in the world, and gradually, if I don't have my feet regularly washed, if I don't come to the Lord regularly saying, Lord, forgive me, if I don't come to the Lord regularly saying, I repent, gradually that dirt would creep up. And I, in danger of then saying, okay, I've turned my back on Christ. Am I in danger of just finding that for some reason my sin, the Lord cannot forgive because I haven't asked for forgiveness? It's just some thoughts. I know some people will say, well, once saved, always saved. Is that really true? 
Or is there a danger of risk in that? You know, oh yeah, I'm saved. I'll go and do whatever I want. I can go off and do, commit this sin, I can commit that sin because I'm saved. Is that a dangerous teaching? Or is it more a case of saying, well, yeah, you were saved, but don't think your salvation will maintain unless you keep it. In Philippians 2, verse 12, it says to us, continue to work out your salvation. Continue to work out your salvation. That isn't to say that you need to continually try and um, say, yeah, I've got to maintain my salvation by doing good works. Because good works won't bring salvation. Continuing my salvation means I need to continually come to the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for my sin. And I repent each time I do things wrong. If it's something I'm continually doing something wrong, the same thing, then yeah, I need to repent of it. But also, Revelation, chapter 2, is where the Lord was talking to John. John had had, had those revelations. As he says, he doesn't know whether it's in his body or out of his body. And this one was to the seven churches. I don't know if you remember the seven churches at all of the, the Lord was speaking about, but Revelation 2, verses 3 to 5. You have persevered and have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. This is to the church in Ephesus. So the first thing is, yeah, great. You've persevered. You haven't grown weary. But then he goes on. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent. And do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. And this is where my prop comes into it. See, we have the lampstand with a lamp in it. Nicely burning away. But what happens if we do not repent? See, if we sin, that lamp may go out. But of course, we can relight it again. So, you know, we can be forgiven. Our lamp may burn down. 
And it may well be a case, I can put another candle in. So you've got another light. But what happens? If the Lord says, okay, because of your sin, because of your unrepentance, I've removed the lampstand. I bring another candle out, nothing for it to go in. I can't light it because it's got nothing for it to sit in. The lampstand is gone. What a thought. Even for us as a church, as individuals, what a thought that one day, if we continue to live in sin and do not repent, the Lord may remove that lampstand and take this, the light away. And if there's no lampstand, he cannot come back. It's a bit of a thought, isn't it? Where do we stand? A bit of a challenge for us, I believe, today. Where do we stand as individuals? Are we continuing to repent? And so maintaining that lamp, maintaining that light in our lives... Or have we just allowed our sin to take us over? You know, I just felt the Lord saying to me that the message for today was repent or perish. Repent or perish. Let's just bow our heads a moment in prayer, shall we? Father, we thank you that you are the great and mighty God and that we can turn to you at any time and say, Lord, forgive us, cleanse us, draw us back into your ways. Help us, Lord, to maintain that repentance. Help us all to maintain that life in you and not to turn our back from continually living your way. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Amen.